0: And we're talking about independent schools. We're talking about independent schools in Baltimore. You know, understanding that there is a racial socialization, there is a component of that to the this this dynamic. So, having a black child enter into predominantly white um, circumstances and situations, so there is an element of the racial socialization. And then just general cultural socialization. Like, what is your orientation to that? Like, really, how do you feel about um, what kinds of exposures you desire for your child to have? What kinds of experiences? How open are you and your family to those different experiences? And, you know, be honest about that.
1: Today on the show, we are speaking with Alexis Seth, Alexis is a mother, daughter, sister, auntie, friend, and a trusted advisor and thought partner in racial equity, especially for those of us who may be parents or caretakers who are wondering, should I pay for my child to receive an independent or AKA private education? Is it worth it if I have a child of color? Are they going to lose themselves? Is this investment going to provide them with the future that I envision for them? Or am I in way over my head and going to end up having to pull them out? These, among others, are a myriad of sometimes scary questions that parents and caretakers must confront when deciding whether or not to pay for a child's education. And today, Alexis, who has experienced putting her son through independent education through his entire um, schooling and she herself attending an independent school from preschool all the way through 12th grade is here to walk us through the thoughts feelings emotions and pressing questions that many of you may have concerning whether or not to invest in independent schools in addition to her personal perspective, we so appreciate Alexis on the show today because she is an advisor with the Racial Equity Asset Lab, which was established in 2018 and works to bring justice to capital and promote shared prosperity for all by challenging and disrupting the policies, practices, and cultural norms upholding and perpetuating systems of advantage and disadvantage. The real is working towards a bold vision of society where shared power reflects and represents communities historically marginalized and exploited by capitalism and where people are valued higher than profit. Alexis is also a qualified admin of the Intercultural Development Inventory, and we are so glad to have her here. Alexis is so passionate about getting good information out to black and brown families who want to make great decisions for your family's future. And you'll be able to hear that in the way that she is having an open and transparent conversation about the ins and outs of considering an independent school. So Alexis, thanks for being with us here today. I get nervous
0: when I desire to share
1: good and right
0: information with people. So I want to make sure that um, I'm good and right um, in, in this circumstance.
1: Well, we're grateful for your presence and your wisdom and anything that you have to say, you know, regarding this topic, all of us are tuning in because we really do want to know more. Um, as someone who attended an independent school myself in Baltimore, Maryland for high school, um, I know how important it is. I know a lot of families, whether they're looking at scholarships for independent schools, whether they are looking to pay out of pocket or whether they're just curious about whether Uh, considering an independent school for their child and family is right for them, your perspective is valued. So thank you. Um, Why is it important for parents to know more about the ins and outs of an independent education? Why is paying for a private school um, an option that you want to help us explore?
0: Sure. So I think first and foremost, it knowledge is power, right? I love empowering people sharing information i have had extensive experience in the independent school space now and that experience wasn't just for me um so ensuring that those who do desire to either think about it or are in the independent school um space now that um what what i've been able to observe what i have gained from that experience i i I want to make sure that i share that i think it is an investment and it is an option and folks should you know not be overwhelmed by that option and not be overwhelmed by the process because it can be overwhelming so kind of breaking it down um Understanding it's kind of its component parts and things to think about and and to look for, and and people are are leaning into that, right? The, it is a viable option. So yeah. why not talk about it? Why not get as much on the table as possible?
1: Um, a couple of things that you said first: your perspective. I always love getting information to folks from someone who's actually been in a position where decisions are being made, especially when it comes to education. Um, my mother was actually in the public school system, still is, and it just was so helpful. You know, my siblings and I, we were in public school, private school, homeschool, and it whether you are paying for your education or child's education or whether it's public it is good to have someone who has internal information because we all know when you have information from someone who has a a different perspective or an inside looking out perspective it kind of helps to change the way that you um, make your decisions you yes. get to know stuff that might not actually be on the application or the website right. Um, right. and especially today we're talking from an equitable standpoint really pointing towards what are our experiences our experiences in independent spaces like for black and brown children and so knowledge is power and it's good to have that education could you tell us where you're from and maybe walk us through what your opinion of your elementary through high school schooling experience did you love it were there improvements that you feel like could have been made just a, a general idea of how you felt maybe then when you were little and how <laughs> you may look back and feel about it now i lovingly say i'm from west of baltimore so i
0: always orient around baltimore love the city love my city um but definitely grew up west of baltimore in baltimore county neighborhood woodlawn and um, we are same <laughs> <laughs> And um, You know, my educational upbringing was, with the exception of one year in public school, was all um, independent school. Um, I was um, really privileged to attend a Montessori school Like from the beginning. I was um, four or five years old when my mother and and father enrolled me at um, Children's House Montessori in Columbia. And my my aunt ran the, the montessori and um uh, i remember that being such an immersive diverse experience i there's a picture of me with classmates at one of our teachers homes where she hosted us she was pakistani she hosted me um a, a classmate of mine who was jewish another classmate who was pakistani another classmate um, who was, I think, of German background. So it was always this immersive <laughs> and, and diverse experience. We were always in um, circumstances surrounded by um, de- people from diverse racial and ethnic backgrounds. Um my elementary school experience was at the Cathedral School of Mary Our Queen on Charles okay. Street in Baltimore City. So I had a little Catholic experience from second through eighth grade um, and then went to high school at McDonough School in Owings Mills. And I have to say, then it, w- it was school. Right, it was just school, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have to do homework, and I have projects to do, and um, I'm on a sports team, I'm in a club. So it was school, and there was activities, um, and and I did, I enjoyed it. I found, like I said, I found my way into sports and athletics, dabbled a little bit in student leadership roles. So overall, I think it was a really it was a really positive experience. I enjoyed it, and looking back on it, um, I still you know value that that experience tremendously. Appreciate the sacrifices our parents made uh, to make sure that we were there, um, and definite definitely feel like that experience positioned me well for, for the rest of my life. Um, mm-hmm. Still benefit from connections that I made through those, um, through the schools. And again, uh, my orientation to, to the world, you know, it's globally and locally, um, absolutely influenced by that, by that educational experience. And, um, yeah, it has enabled me to move in many different spaces and be comfortable moving in those various and and different spaces.
1: And that's such an an important point you bring up. Um, And then we'll talk, backtrack to a few points you made, but being comfortable and moving in different spaces um, because... uh, uh, I hear a lot, and even back when I was in high school, I will tell folks, for those who don't know Baltimore City and even um, a great portion of the immediate surrounding county, geogra- uh, demographically it's 63% African American as far as the way that the city is made up, and Woodlawn Um, Where Alexis grew up, where I grew up is right outside of the city. And, you know, around the 90s and even 80s, it started to get more high. It wasn't as highly populated with African American families, but definitely when my family moved out there around the mid 90s, early to mid 90s, that's when a lot of African American families started moving out there. And yeah. I say that to say, for those who may not have the context, um, to be a black child living in that area and having an education experience where you are with students from Pakistani origin, Jewish origin, so many different origins. I, to say that that is one in a million is a severe understatement. <laughs> um, you know, most times... Like, I don't even have a comparison because that's how rare it is. And so I think it's important that um, that folks do know that about your educational perspective. Because regardless of who is listening, I think a lot of times when you are from Baltimore, when you are Black, it's automatically assumed that you may have started off with a tragic education, you know, mm. and, and um, you know, there's a dismal story behind it. And you know, and it's like sometimes that's not the case. And it's no. and it's great that we consider perspectives where that's not the case and so that we can, you know, really get a well-rounded idea of the different educational options um for all. Yes. And so I'm looking at um, I don't know if this is your specific Montessori school in Columbia, but just so folks know, nowadays the tuition for that is um Ten thousand two hundred twenty-two dollars annual tuition, and then they have one. That's eight thousand four hundred seventeen annual tuition, and then uh, depending on how old the kid is or how young it is, it varies. And then for McDonough, what you mentioned, the tuition can range from $20,000 a year all the way up to about $50,000 a year. And I just want to set the stage for that because later on in this, well, if you're a parent and you're here trying to decide whether or not this investment is right for you, I just want you to know the um frame, the conversation of like what we're talking about investment wise. And like Alexis is saying, it truly is. An investment, um, which yes, will so. jump into the different things that your child and family may or may not get out of it to help you make the best decision. So, Alexis, um, a lot of people listen to the show are either parents already or soon-to-be parents. Um, and you have one one son or do you have more than one child? One son. One okay. son. Okay. Okay. And he is no longer in grade school or high school. He's graduated now, okay. right? Yes. He's okay. In now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Woohoo! Um, and woo-hoo. also, when you so when you first became a mom, I'm wondering like what were your thoughts around education in your hometown? You had such a good educational experience. Of course, there was the option to say, "Hey, you know, I could send my son to public school too." You there, you can do whatever as a parent, homeschool. Um, but for you, was having him attend an independent school always on the table? Um, Did he attend an independent school at all?
0: So his attending independent school was always on the table. And I do believe, well, I know it was based on my own experience and orientation to education, formal schooling. Um, What I will say, because probably at about middle school, I did consider a public school option and I looked for a public school option. I mean, quite frankly, I'm a single parent and certainly that investment <laughs> in independent schools was was significant, but it wasn't yes. foreign, you know? And so again, because of the experience that I had I absolutely was like, yeah, independent school is on the table for him. The, the time that I took to consider public school, um, because I was moving into the city and I, like I said, I love Baltimore. I rep Baltimore and I understood the reputation of Baltimore city schools but was going to make the effort and was looking for a space for my son. And what I encountered was just an unevenness, right? Just in certain places, maybe he would be able to study a foreign language, maybe not. In other places, maybe he'd be able to participate in athletics and maybe not. So that was... I, again, I knew the reputation, but I was like, I'm going to look, I'm, I'm going to try. And that mm-hmm. was disappointing. Um, but I think when I moved into the city, I had already known I'm going to pay taxes and I'm going to pay tuition. like it was, <laughs> <Two> it, <teams. laughs> it was just that exactly the T's. It was just, this is what I'm going to do. And quite frankly, again, I love Baltimore. So it was like, okay. I will, I will do this. This is kind of a a dual investment. Yes. I'm going to pay the taxes because I do believe in Baltimore city and I do desire a particular educational experience for my son. I'm going to make this investment in independent schools as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's important to note too, like as we have this conversation um, Baltimore city is has been for a long time and is currently in an education crisis. Um, I don't have the exact numbers pulled up, but there is a website called greatschools.com where anyone can go and look at the test score rates, um, you know, the funding Mm -hmm. that these public schools get. And it's disheartening to say the least, you know, when you're from a place and you want to support the system by putting your child in there, there is that question, do I sacrifice my child's, um, potential future opportunities, you know, and, and at any rate, even your child's life, because in a city like Baltimore, you know, I don't want folks to get the wrong idea that there are bullets flying around every corner because that's not the case. That's you know, we wouldn't right. be here if it was in a right. war zone. However, there are peer pressures and influences and specific to black children and very specific to black males. There are a lot of influences that um are that we do know publicly and talk about publicly, and then societal and peer pressures that aren't as public. And so, as a parent, um, I'm not a parent. However, I have lots of family, and you know, and in the education space, I would imagine that is something that you have to consider, um, and something that may be an easy consideration and decision for some, and may be tougher for others, depending on the experience they want for your child. Yes. Um, and for you, you said, hey, I'm just going to do this taxes and tuition. That's just that's what's going to have to happen. <laughs> and so, Like we were saying, independent schools do come with a hefty price tag. So for some families committing an upward of twenty thousand dollars a year in tuition for some, you know, for a 10 year old, for a 13 year old, it may be risky. They may say, OK, well, I know that my family had that conversation. They were like, well, what, well, do we just move to a neighborhood, you know, a different county in Maryland where the school district is better. So instead of moving, you know, instead of staying where we are and sending our child to a school where they'd be better in the school district. Um, So um, my question here is, are there, because this is an investment that if you are in a private school, or an independent school, well, before I even ask that, from my experience, it is. It was very clear that the students, because I went to private school for high school only, the students who had your experience where you went from elementary school or maybe even middle school and then to an also an independent high school, the way that I saw it was that it was seemingly a more natural flow for those students to academically go on to a high school that was an independent school because the way that curriculums are set up in independent school are very different from if you come from a public school and very different from if you come from homeschool. My sister and I were coming from homeschool, so we had to test into the independent school which is something that I would love for you to um, speak about if you or your son had experience having or even your experience having been on a board um, about students testing into school. So maybe what is what should parents expect from the process of actually getting into the school from the point that they say, okay, I want my child to go to waiting on that final acceptance letter? Yeah, sure.
0: It's interesting because I, I kind of characterize it as I've been thinking about the process. You know, you kind of go from awareness to interest to some type of action right and um one of the things that i say is there's so many schools out there mm-hmm. and those schools i mean baltimore is over it, it, i don't even know the the right word to use but we have so many independent schools yeah not just with independent <laughs> schools. right so there's so many options. So that's the mm-hmm. first thing is like really getting clear on what is it that you are seeking. Um, and, and, and even before getting into the application process, I think you have to be honest about one, who knowing who your student is, you know, what is their academic orientation, right? Are they studious? Are they curious? are they really interested and engaged academically? So really get an understanding of your student and what their interests are. And then um, the second thing is thinking about what you, what your family's values are around education, Um, both. And I, and this was something that in my own reading, I've, I've come to understand that, right. There's, and we're talking about independent schools. We're talking about independent schools in Baltimore. You know, understanding that there is a racial socialization, there is a component of that to the this this dynamic. So, having a black child enter into predominantly white um, circumstances and situations. So, there is an element of the racial socialization. And then just general cultural socialization. Like, what is your orientation to that? Like, really, how do you feel about um, what kinds of exposures you desire for your child to have? What kinds of experiences? How open are you and your family to those different experiences? And, you know, be honest about that. And then, of course, the, the, the last piece of it is, you know, and it's it's not the last but i i do put the students first right really considering your student your child in this process um and then thinking about just the the pragmatic just the practical how close do we live to these schools what is your willingness to engage at the school because you I tell folks all the time, you don't just send your child and your money to these schools. Like you got to go. (laughs) You you know, if it's volunteering, it's carpool, it's volunteering, it's meetings, it's Mm -hmm. talking with the teachers. This is a, this is a commitment. Um, And then in terms of the application process, there's a, if I'm not mistaken, each of the schools have their own application. And then there's the, I forget what the acronym stands for, but there is the IC test, I-S, and I think it's I-S double or I-S triple E, but we've referred to it as the IC. It is the standardized admissions test for m- most, if not all of the independent schools in the area. Um, so there's those two components. There's also a teacher recommendation that you'll need to get from this, your student's current school. Um, if you are applying for financial aid, you will indicate that and provide information um, about your financial situation. Um, and so that's kind of the, the, those out front elements to the process. Um, I think when it comes to admissions considerations, folks should know that um, these institutions are nonprofit institutions. Okay, so you know you think about nonprofits that are seeking donors and donations um, on a regular basis. Um, these institutions are nonprofits, so parents who enroll their students are, um, in effect, you are donors, you are subscribers to this nonprofit. So yeah, ability to pay in some circumstances. I mean, there are some schools that, um, that are some schools and, and even within their school, it can vary, but there are some schools that are completely need blind admission. So it doesn't matter what your ability to pay is. Um, but some schools do consider what a family's ability to pay might be, um, also affiliation and affiliation doesn't just mean, um, that, you know, your great, great grandfather <laughs> attended this school, um, affiliation also means maybe there's a parent that's already working at the school. So they will look at that. If there's siblings that are at the school, they'll consider that, um, definitely the, um, you know, certainly legacy plays into it. Um, but those affiliations are also a part of the consideration. Cause they, if there's a sibling there, then certainly they would want the family to be there. Right. Um, I think that's what's, um, that's what, what is really interesting about this is that yes, these institutions absolutely were founded for, um, and, and kind of run in ways that exclude, um, for sure. I, I, I absolutely acknowledge that. Um, what, what is also, um, I think a part of that though, as I reflect on it, it, it is family oriented. Like they yeah. <laughs> they are trying to cultivate community. They are trying to cultivate family. And so mm-hmm. finding that community where you do connect um, is important and can be very valuable to, to folks who do enter into those spaces and are, a- and, and you're able to, to make those connections and leverage those connections.
1: Yeah. I think that's so important. Um, what you said about the family oriented piece, um, because it, it, you know, hearing a result of, you know, whether you're in Maryland and looking at private schools or whether you're in another state, it's, you know, you can hear different school names and people and students who came out of it and the results that they're getting of the colleges they went on to. And it sounds very impressive. You may want that for your child as well. Um, However, it's also important to consider, the fact you can kind of think of it in some ways, it's kind of like a sorority or fraternity, yeah. where you know you really do have to make sure that it's a call, uh, not always cultural from a racial perspective, but the values that the school holds. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, my my school, Institute of Nurture Dame, is no longer open, but uh, we did have folks you know whose families owned. Horse ranches, you know, and bought multi-million dollar houses once per year, and then we had families who may have been on, like my family, who was a, a a lower middle class, and we were, you know, one parent solely worked to provide the income, and then we had students who um, to provide the tuition, and then we had um, students who came in off of scholarship, and it really depended on whether the because when all girls school the type of a girl or a person that the the student was, you know, for our school, it was a good fit. If you were somebody who was ambitious, or if you were somebody who mm-hmm. appreciated sisterhood, if you did like sports, and then for other schools like that, what that may not have been a press. Some schools, it was, hey, you'll fit right here if you only like sports. You don't need to like sisterhood. <laughs> so um, I say that. Uh, I also want to mention that, you know, a lot of times these school for parents, some of these schools, especially high schools, they do have shadow days. Where if your student is interested, um, you they may get the opportunity to go in and have, you know, spend a day with a student who goes there and just get a day in the life. And Alexis, I would love to hear your perspective on this, um, because what I would find, you know, recommend is for parents if they're and to correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not a parent, but not to hype up the experience that much for their child and Mm -hmm. to really just let them go in and then see what the child says when they come out (laughs) so that you can really get an understanding of what they think and not trying to you know live up to your excitement or expectations mariah
0: absolutely i so my experience with my son um was just that i he was, he was at an independent school from first through fifth grade. And what prompted my, me to switch, and I, I think it's really important for folks to understand, your child is going to grow and will become a different person and will have different ideas, thoughts, perspectives, interests. So be ready to maybe make a change. So he had started at this school first grade, the, the thinking when these schools extend um, an admission to a family is that you will be there f- from the point that you enter through graduation. So if it's second grade, when you get there, they're thinking you'll be there through 12th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so my son entered this particular school in first grade, we're thinking he'll be there through 12th grade. But in fifth grade, he had this experience where he was just like, I don't like it here. We, I pulled into the carpool line. He was like, "I don't want to go in," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> what <happened?" laughs> oh, that was like the first, like from kindergarten. He always wanted to go to school, so to pull up to the carpool and be ready to drop off, and he's like, "I don't want to go." I was like, "Oh, okay." All no, right, we need to we talk. <laughs> let me let me start looking. Um, so really paying attention to you know what your student and how your student is communicating with you is so important and giving honor to that and valuing it. And definitely just like, you know, not acting like the, this opportunity to visit the school. It's like the end all be all like, don't put the pressure on them. Like you gotta, you gotta show up. Right. Don't even, just, because the students go in and they are met with students and teachers who are who are very welcoming I believe Um, yeah when my son visited the school that he eventually attended it was funny because he went in and I did I was like go on have a good day check it out And when I went back to pick him up, he got in the car and was like, So, can I come back tomorrow? (laughs) And (laughs) I was like, Okay, we've got a winner. (laughs) Right. But definitely spend the time and, you know, find out from your student what, what their impression was. How comfortable were they with their. Uh, with the tour guide, how comfortable were they asking questions? I know it, with this particular school, my my son was able to participate in the classes just like everybody else. Um, is so definitely listening to your student and allowing them that opportunity, and I think it's just good practice for these young people anyway. To begin to think about how they make decisions and
1: supporting
0: yeah. our young people to evaluate the environments in
1: which they are existing. That's just so important because one, they're going to have to do it in the real world and workforce one day, and it's best you know for them to get started now. And two, you know, I'll get a little bit more granular as far as um, maybe parents are saying, like, "What do you mean?" As far as they may. Um, have different thoughts and opinions than you or they may have experiences <laughs> like what what are you what are you actually talking about so I know for me and my sister the I will a lot of people think you know since we were in Catholic school like the nuns were slapping up with rulers and I was like no like I loved ev- all like a, there's rarely a teacher that I can think of that wasn't welcoming that wasn't kind mm-hmm. um our school was probably 97% white and, you know, everybody else, you can, you can put Asian and uh, Latinx and black into the other 3% category. And I will say um, the people who we interacted with immediately, as far as teachers and staff, they were, they wanted everyone to do well. Um, And so that, I feel like that's, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like that's a topic where parents may be very concerned, but from my perspective, you can, maybe relax a bit. What I will say is, you know, social dynamics, you know, as somebody who trends, you know, when it was trendy for all the white girls to have a bun on top of their head with a bow, the size of Jupiter, you know, you're (laughs) black and your hair may not grow the same way. And it's just, you know, it's just little things like that. And, you know, you're if you don't teach your child, you know, the way your hair grows is beautiful. You are not, you know, you're, it, you, you may be different, but also they are different. You know, it's not necessary, it's not a, it's not necessarily you have to point to it being a race thing, but you do have to make it clear to your child, or I would recommend making it clear to your child to value who they are and realize that you're in an environment with a culture that is different from yours. However, you are here, you know, to, you can still have a great experience, be yourself. <laughs> and then if you encounter anything where you do feel, you know, funny or like there's discrimination or you feel like you're not being accepted, then that's a time, you know, make them feel welcome to come to you as the parent. And that's why we're talking about here as far as not putting a lot of pressure on, I need you to like this school because that, as we can imagine as adults, when we have a lot of pressure to make something work that can blind us to, uh, you know, making. It- yeah clear level-headed decisions because we don't want to we may not want to disappoint and you know children are at a different level of development than us so if we're talking about specifics on how things are culturally different I know for me and then um I would love for you to expound on maybe some of your son's experience Alexis when um I I grew up in church um and so You know, I went to a Catholic high school and our idea of a choir as a black church was very different than what a choir was at a white Catholic high school. Um, if you know, in in a whole lot of ways, and so you know, it's just, it's, it's, uh, those sorts of cultural differences that your child if you're used to your culture going a certain way that your child may bring home and you know, now they're singing some song from Germany that you've never heard of and how are you making them feel like they can share those experiences with you and look at it as something of value versus looking at it as something that may make them feel awkward, depending on what their, what their home and surrounding community is like versus in school. So true. I, I,
0: Mariah, as you were talking, I think about my mother, who was very clear um, about why she desired for us to attend the schools that we did, that we were in majority white schools. And I mean, my mother obviously attended segregated schools. And when she graduated from high school, graduated from college because she attended an HBCU and then she entered the work world, she she said, you know I just wasn't prepared for um, I wasn't prepared for working with white people and and really, how they how they do things, and her yeah. idea for us was, you know, you're gonna go to for my sister and me. It was we go to church with black people. You go to the, a black dentist. Your our attorney is black. The accountants mm-hmm. we deal with are black. Your your whole family, right? um And I I desire for you to be in spaces with other people with white people in particular, but definitely diverse experiences, because she said, I didn't want you all to be as uncomfortable and to be surprised and blindsided by the dynamics that you will enter in the professional space. Because, you you? know, it wasn't, we weren't, we were going to go into professional space, right? Right. So, (laughs) So you needed to be prepared for that. And I absolutely carried that with me to this day. And that was absolutely influential in how I oriented my son to his experience as well. The, you know, absolutely, this is not a, you know, white man's ice is colder kind of thing. This mm-hmm. is, you will be in this environment that is different from the one in which we we live and that we share but you you're going to enter into this space and you're going to learn both academically as well as culturally and socially. You will observe things that are different, yeah. <laughs> and um, and that's going to enable you to again navigate this world locally as well as globally um, much more much more easily. There yeah. will be yes, there will be challenges. Um, I think for my son, there I, I can't. I'm I'm not immediately recalling any specific, you know, differences that um, that he called out through school, but I I know that there were there were definitely times when there were experiences that it was like, um, well, I, quite frankly for, for both of us it kind of catalyzed my engagement at his school in terms of racial equity and, um, his experience as well, right after, um, the Trayvon Martin, not Trayvon Martin's murder, but it was George Zimmerman's exoneration. And, um, you know, we, were very sensitized to what in the world is going on. Mm Um, and so, you know, he, I remember a moment where he expressed this, um, concern and disappointment where, you know, they don't they don't see me. They don't care about me were, were the words that he used. And it, I'm not going to say it broke my heart. It was just, it, it was like, okay, so here we are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we know it's going to happen at some point, Yeah, whether it's in seven seven year old, seventh grade, you know, 17 and a senior at some point, in those interactions, there is going to be that moment of realization and crystallization that yes we are different
1: <laughs> yeah
0: I get treated differently than you do in this society and in this um and in this community from time yeah. to time um and that was absolutely for me a cat a just a, a catalyzing moment is okay. Now, you know, let's make sure and get even more active mother <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, around this racial equity work in this community. And um, because my black son was not the only black son in the school, right? Mm-hmm. And my deep belief is in advancing racial equity, you're actually improving um, the organization for everyone. you, yeah. when you actually lean in and, and solve for those who are um, most marginalized, you actually can come up with solutions that benefit everyone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that piece about um, being involved as the parent is so important. One, I know that I saw when I was in public school, homeschool, and um, independent slash private school, because I saw my mother be very vocal about our educational experience, it became like almost innate for me to be vocal about everything. You know, (laughs) it's like... Oh, I have the right to say something, you know. I say some things, yeah. Right, exactly. And it's kind, and it's just like you, and especially as the child gets older, you kind of you just evolve into a person who is in a space where you, you don't care what color the person is, what their hair looks like. You're like you just you know you're vocal. And then I could see. I mean, even today, whether I'm in the workplace or other places where I am with other Black people and either even other people of color, um, who I don't know their particular background, but because there is such a call for diversity um, in so many predominantly white spaces, I will see folks who do look like me who are there but not vocal, and there but not, you know, expressing their ideas. It doesn't even always have to be combative, you know. Sometimes it's just, hey, you're here, but you're not telling, you're not saying your idea, you're not engaging or you feel that you have to be in a cocoon and i think that um you know having real conversations about race with your children and having your children see you active in spaces where you and your family may not be the majority is is developing and training them in a way that will pay off of course immediately but even more so in the future because that's the world you know the world is multicolored correct um and so for uh these independent schools, you know, like you were saying, your middle school was Catholic. The religion there was Catholic. I know some schools in Baltimore, Quaker, you have Christian schools. Um, So let's talk about that just a bit. Um, because you may want your child to have a top notch education. But let's say that you are I know, I had one um girl in my school who was Muslim, and she, it was a Catholic school. And her parents were like, sure you can get up and say the Hail Mary and some people's parents who have other religions was like, teach my child. She's not saying the Hail Mary. So, um, (laughs) let's talk about that a bit. Maybe how you and your family approached it. Um, if any of the schools that, uh, your son attended did have a religious aspect to it, or just maybe some, um, basic advice we could give parents about what to expect in that vein.
0: Certainly. Um, so actually he did attend a school that had um a religious component and it was christian so it wasn't it wasn't significantly different from our methodist baptist um or uh, our background our our practices um and so yeah, we didn't encounter anything particularly challenging in that space. And it is a choice, right? Like if I'm choosing to enter into this space, it really I-, I see it as a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. Certainly, again, you have your you 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 kind of game. I I think you know you kind of game this out in the beginning, right? You tell your student this is what we believe, this is what we practice, and you're entering into a space where this is what they believe and this is what they practice. And yes, we desire for you to get an education here, and you'll get exposure to this different way of believing, this different way of practicing. I think. It's possible that it's you know it can be um, a pathway to you know to to the the what I would describe as the multiracial democracy that we desire to live in right like mm-hmm. where people can really be themselves and you're you're learning um, for for me our Catholic school was very different from the the Methodist church we attended. (laughs) And so it was like, okay, making the sign of the cross. And I do remember a couple of times being at the kitchen table and making the sign of the cross. And my mother looking at me like, what are you doing?
1: (laughs) What is happening right now? (laughs)
0: What is happening right now? Like, that's not how we roll. Um, But it wasn't, you know, It was not a a um it it was not a a knockdown drag out or anything, but it was curious, right? Like, okay, she's picking that up. And then it's this is is Catholic school. And I'll be honest, I appreciated the exposure, right? Like understanding. Mm -hmm. And let's be real, Mariah, you know Catholics are in and out. (laughs) (laughs)
1: But yes, 15 minutes. let me go bring like, some suggestions back to my church <laughs> we can get this message across in 10 minutes flat <laughs> anytime you could be in a church service in the middle of the school day and still finish the school day what <laughs> we did five subjects we had lunch and we went to church so it can be on a Sunday it can be done in less than two hours I mean, so, yes but it's things like that um you know and like you said it's re- I, and it's really speaks to what we value on this podcast is having children experience the things that sometimes we, we may think people need to wait to experience hey have them experience diversity and religion as soon as possible Certainly. you know instead of viewing it as a threat to what your family may believe, see it as an opportunity for your child to be able to exist and appreciate um, somebody else's perspective, religion, or point of view, and not necessarily have to say that their own isn't great. It's like, there's so much room for so many different types of people, perspectives, and beliefs in this world. And then to have an educational setting on top of that is just making for a very multi-dimensional human being who, you know, is is uh, likely to be more open-minded. And so I have a a few stats here from the U.S. Census. um, 2020 showed that the median household income for white families was almost 71,000 plus dollars. While that number was 55,000 for Latinx families and about 43,000 for black families. Um, we know that is, you know, that's just general across the U S considering all demographics and regions. Um, and I can attest, like we've been talking about here to the fact that receiving an education from an independent school set me up for opportunities in life that, um, others in my media community did not have. I I was zoned for a Title I school in Woodlawn. And so a lot of people that I grew up with right next door to me, even though their families may have had half a million dollar houses or, you know, maybe three hundred thousand dollar houses, I always tell folks it's not always a good idea to look at somebody's income, family's income as a reflection of the level of education that the child is getting because we do know redlining exists. We know zoning laws exist and yep. you can still have very high value homes that are sending people to schools that may or may not intentionally be providing a less than high value education. Um, And so do, do what are your thoughts around whether dollar signs belong in front of an education Um, or is it right to say, you know, okay, if you want your child to, I don't know, I know have a college prep class, you know, we were writing papers that most people would write junior year of college. We were writing sophomore year of high school. So are there pros and cons, do you think, to associating a cost with the quality of an education?
0: Ooh, Mariah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so many layers there. Um, Fully believe in education. And I think a quality education should be just a, a basic human right. I really do. Um, so money so, so much of I think the frustration that we see among young people um in Baltimore. I, I don't know this for sure. I don't have any data to back this up. However, um the the inability to communicate and comprehend all that is happening around you um, and to be able to participate um, fully, it it has to be frustrating, right? Um, And I think absolutely we should be committed to educating all of our children because when we don't, you know, the price tag is actually, I believe, greater than we really understand. Um, so I, though, yes, I made the investment for my son. I, if there was, you know, a way that it didn't have to be a private education, I would love in this country for everyone to have been able. for for all students to be able to have the kind of academic experience, I will say academic, educational, cultural experience that he had, that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, And quite frankly, not have to pay a dime. Um, Why we as a society um, won't invest in our young people um, and invest in them fully. Um, I, that is absolutely something that I, I don't understand. I remain confused about that. I mean, I get the, you know, um, the haves and the have nots and, and all Mm -hmm. of that, but it, these young people, you know, we were, we were talking earlier about, um, my youth lacrosse players. I mean, children are amazing. Children are (laughs) just joyful. So I do recognize that I I think one of the, um, and I'm, I've got so many thoughts running through my head, but the, um, the, the choice, the decision to, to educate my son in, an independent school actually meant, even though I'm paying taxes, it still meant that those were f- fewer resources available to the public school in our community, right? Because it's, it's dependent on the number of children um, that are attending the, the public schools. And so the decision to, to take him out of a, a public school and place him in an independent school means that 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 those are resources that don't come to our our school district. Um, and so it is there's so many layers to it, yeah, right? There's, exactly. Um you know because what does it then mean for a fam- for families and as you said just because um you know just because someone lives in a certain kind of a home or is in a particular neighborhood does not necessarily mean that they are set up for educational success. It doesn't Mm -hmm. Um, because to your point, the history of redlining um, in, in this country um, and, and we've yet to really recover and do differently in terms of investing in our neighborhoods, investing in our schools. I know the state of Maryland is really trying um to to advance equity um, in the funding of state schools and in the different districts. Um, but I think more it's just young people, these are our children, these are our children <laughs> like, these yeah, are all of us, um, and trying to invest in them and, nurture them and ensure that they have collectively, not just mine, but collectively that all of these children have the opportunity to, as you said, it be really um, expressive, multidimensional human beings that they get that opportunity. Um, It it does. It's one of those things that I just it does mean something to me. My, my sister jokes, Lex loves the kids. It's true. I love our children and I think we yeah. should be investing in them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's just, it really is the sort of thing, like you said, and I, I just want to keep making this point as much as possible because even amongst the black community, like taking any other race out of it, it's there can be this divide of, you know, Uh, kind of like, okay, you chose to send your child to a predominantly white school. Does that mean you are neglecting your community? You don't think that, you know, your child being around, Mm. quote unquote, everybody else is good enough. And then there's the, you know, then there's the other side of, you know, some people may think, you, you know, we have so many different opinions of what choosing to pay for an education should mean. And then folks, you know, you're supporting a system that is, Uh, segregating people. And it's, and you know, that there are so many different arguments for that. But one that I always do, like a perspective I like for folks to consider is kind of like, no, very much like what you were saying before is uh, removing yourself from a system or a situation is automatically sometimes bowing out and not making it better. Um, Just because you are not necessarily, you weren't kept in mind when that institution or system was created does not mean that you should automatically say, well, this is never for me. You know, if it's something that um, you can come in and improve and in order to create change, you have to start somewhere. And if we want to eventually get to the point where a quality education may be more affordable and accessible, it really starts with more people getting a quality education. Um, mm. And if right now that quality <laughs> education is behind a paywall, then there are options, you know, Some t- I know for my aunt paid the deposit for us to go to uh, the school that we went to. Sometimes you can do the old age thing of the family pulling in and saying, Hey, if we get, you know, if we, even if we get one student doing this, you know, right. then at least we have somebody doing it. And I know for my family specifically, my mother's the type, she's like, okay, well, I learned, you know, this you, I paid for you guys to learn X, Y, Z. Well, now I can tell other folks who may not be able to afford it, that this is you know, that this practice or this particular curriculum um, can help your child get to this space. Or, you know, my child had an experience going to a Costa Rica or, you know, going to this specific museum. And you can share different opportunities and resources with folks within your community. But, um, you know, without necessarily looking at each other and saying you you're being a traitor or whatever, you know, just keeping it real, you know, whatever the dialogue is, um, there are ways to eventually get to a place where, um, education, a quality education can be affordable for all. Um, and wrapping up, um, what, what do you think the world has taken too long to realize about the way that we educate children and how are you changing that? So I think,
0: We, I don't think we recognize our children as just small people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think we, as adults, are convinced that we know better than they do. And um, certainly we help them. Certainly we raise them. They teach us as much as we teach them. Sometimes they teach us more. Um, folks will hear me say it often. My son taught me so much. Um, I mean, his his curiosity about lots of different things. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> what he was yeah. able to share with me, um, just in terms of knowledge. And just how he... Influenced my perspective on the world. He really did um, encourage more critical thinking for me, and um, encouraged me to, you know, to do things like this, Mariah, have conversations, and um, really speak up and um, and try to make change. But again. I I really think we are slow to really understand and accept that our children are just little people. They are mm-hmm. small humans who are taking in information. They are processing it. They are making decisions. They are actually creating their own decision frameworks. Right, mm-hmm.
1: like right.
0: They are assessing and evaluating. Um, and so there, there's a lot that's happening in those, in those small people. Um, and I think we, we do ourselves a disservice not honoring what is happening and what they are learning and what they are processing and giving them space um, to express it and supporting them in expressing themselves. Mm-hmm. Um like we were talking about you know with the the visits to you know different independent schools like really giving them the opportunity to exercise their decision making um to develop their own decision making frameworks and then expressing how they've evaluated and how they're coming to um a decision i i think we are definitely slow with that, and so I think how I'm changing that is just is calling it out, mm-hmm. um, encouraging parents to to allow that space for their young people um, and, and, and sharing with them. You know, this is sh- share with your young person. This is how I go about making decisions. This is how mm-hmm. I'm evaluating this. What do you think? Or, or is there something that I might not be considering? Mm-hmm. Um I think going through that practice with them teaching our young people how to think not what to think yeah um is is really really vital
1: yeah that's all thank you for sharing that that is also important how to think not what to think um, letting f- children think <laughs> just you know so important because it's it's the sort of thing where it's like if you don't do it, it's not like they're gonna turn eighteen or twenty one or thirty and then one day say, "Oh, I should think," you know. Mariah, I gotta to start. Uh-huh, go ahead. I had a my
0: my approach with my son, in, and now he tells me I probably should have shortened it, but. If I saw a behavior, I observed a behavior that he was doing, whatever age he was at that time, I would add 10 years. And I'd be like, okay, so if in one particular case, he was three and he was frustrated, he threw the shoe across the room. And before I said anything, I was like, okay, now, obviously, this is not behavior that we want our three-year-old, you know, engaging. Right you know, let me add 10 years to this, right? Mm -hmm. So at 13, what would I want my young person to be communicating in this frustrating situation? And so, you know, is is this behavior okay in 10 years? If it's not okay in 10 years, it's not okay today.
1: Right. right? (laughs) (laughs) Point blank period. Point
0: blank period. So let's talk about this. I'm not. I'm not saying you know we're not going capital punishment, but you know let's talk about what's going on. Let's unpack this, kiddo.
1: Yeah, so I'm not. I'm not trying to see this in ten years, right? <laughs> exactly. Then <laughs> it's an ingrained habit that's harder to undo. Exactly. Um, all right, and so yeah, just I thank you for coming on here and you know talking to us about this topic. Um and before we wrap up is there anything else that you believe that parents should know? Um, we have parents on here who are ready to make the investment. They always may always have been and just needed that extra bit of information. We have parents who may be applying to scholarships for their children or parents who may be gathering resources from families and community to make this happen. All sorts. Um so for any of those folks, do you have any final piece or pieces of information um, or wisdom to share? Be clear about the value that your
0: student and your family brings to the circumstance you will absolutely um, be of benefit your perspective your students contributions and participation will be valuable in these spaces don't underestimate it don't sell yourself short don't even, you know, don't even doubt it. Have the conversation with your student. Be clear about what you desire to achieve and, and move forward in, with confidence about, you know, the experience that you and your family will have um, inside these spaces. I'm not saying it's all roses. However, when you move in confidence, move in power with information, Mm-hmm. Um, then the, these can be ultimately, they can be very positive um, experiences with tremendous outcomes for yeah. your student and for your families.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you have so much more I can only imagine to say because you talk with folks about this topic and you deal with racial equity um, in spaces like these and beyond all the time. So for parents or folks who want further guidance around the topic of, you know, having their child attend an independent school or want to learn more about the work that you're doing when it comes to racial equity, um, how can they get in touch with you?
0: Sure. So definitely at my email, I am at Alexis, so A L E X I S, at racial equity asset lab.org.
1: Okay, perfect. So you all heard it. I'm also going to drop that information in the show notes, the website to what Alexis is talking about, um, and also her email address. Alexis, thank you so much. Um, If it were up to me, we'd do this for three more hours. However, I know that you and everyone else has a life beyond this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I appreciate your time and your wisdom and just want to say thank you.
0: <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And definitely I look forward to connecting with more families that want to talk about the, the potential experience or even past experience. So thank you so much for this.
1: W dot dot com. Again, I'm Mariah Phillips and I leave you with this. Embrace the evolution, y'all.